and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. I believe that we can thrive in all areas of life at the same time. But where do we begin? Personally, financially, spiritually, relationally... And often because we don't know where to focus, we do nothing. At least that's the space I lived in for several years. I know what it feels like to constantly be spinning my wheels. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Daily Journal. After working through the Dream Life Action Planner, we need to do something every day so we actually take steps in the direction we desire. Throughout the years, I've developed success habits that have helped me to create a Dream 10 life in all areas by focusing on one area at a time. And I teach you exactly what to do each and every day in the Dream Life Daily Journal. You'll find a gratitude game every day to start the morning off right. A space for prayer, meditation, journaling. A space to write down your clear and intentional dream life goal with affirmations and visualizations connected to that goal. You'll then have a spot to write down your dream life action to-do list so you can be intentionally taking action towards your goal every single day. I know that by completing the Dream Life Daily Journal every day for at least 30 days, you can create momentum. And when you do that, my friends, you can live your dream life too. Check out the dreamlifetoolkit.com or Amazon to get your copy of the Dream Life Daily Journal today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am so honored and excited to have our next guest with us today. Not only is she a fellow leader in the network marketing space, but she has taken her experience working with her team and building to the top of the company and really been able to expand that to more than just her team and has truly created waves within the entire industry. She has created a legacy of pioneers around the world who have taken ownership to their lives by living a God-ordained, purpose-driven life. With 25 years of entrepreneurial success, she became a pioneer in braised trails in the network marketing space. From living out of a car, a teenage pregnancy, to building to the top of her company, her humble beginnings built her solid foundation on faith. Those experiences became the hard knock education that led to real life rags to riches. Then her husband became ill with a rare disease, and she once again experienced rock bottom. Using her God-given gifts of grit and relentlessness, she rolled up her sleeves and built an empire again of change with a holistic solution in a world that desperately needs it, pioneering the first ever cutting-edge scientific approach to mental wellness she built the largest organization at her current company. Her success as a top leader in the direct sales industry has taught her what motivates others to succeed. Big dream cast welcome to Sarah Hine. The crowd goes wow. I was exhausted listening to that. (laughs) I'm excited to chat with you. We've talked a few times. In fact, you are gracious enough to interview me on your podcast. And we've had great conversations because there's only a select few 
uh, who've really built large organizations in the network marketing space and understand the ups and downs and, and love that comes from building a team of that caliber. And it sounds like not only have you uh, you've done it several times. And so I'm excited to hear about your story within the network marketing space. But then truly, you had the um, hard knocks education with some tough stuff happening within your life. And yet you continue to persevere. You continue to stay the course and you continue to succeed and thrive doing so. So before we get into what you're doing now, I'd love to hear a little bit about what got you into network marketing to begin with. Oh, yeah. The gosh, that's taking me back 25 years. That's crazy. Not an industry I didn't even know existed, to be honest. I was a young, I was 18 at the time and I was a young single mom and uh, still didn't even have a high school diploma. And it was actually, uh, believe it or not, a Mary Kay lady that had approached me. She planted the seed and she said, you know, if, if you learn how to do what I do, you could sell makeup and make a ton of money working from home around your little girl's schedule. And at the time I was thinking, you don't want me putting makeup on anyone who's not a makeup girl, but she introduced me to the idea of direct sales and she planted a seed in my head. And then about two years later, I had met my, my husband and he, his family was in direct sales, but as customers. And I started to look at that industry and was just blown away that there was this whole industry that nobody talked about that not every company, but many of the companies produced really, really good products. And they were American made and they were well-made and people got real results. And so I started attending some meetings. I mean, here I'm in my early twenties and I was just curious because I was what I was curious most about is I would sit in the back of, of different companies and just observing. And what blew me away, Denise, was that I would hear stories of people that had college degrees. They had the dream that I wanted. They had college degrees. I didn't even have a high school diploma at the time. And they, they did, they had all that and they ended up not wanting it. And they wanted freedom. And I remember thinking, wow. So I became so curious. I became a student of it. I mean, it's kind of crazy and absurd, but at between 21 and 23, I just went to any meeting that I could, dabbled with a few, but just learned about it. And it was on our, our honeymoon that my husband and I made the decision to finally plant our feet in, into a company and start a business. And that was my beginning. I love that. Well, and it's true. Uh, what I love about this industry is that no matter where you come from, what background you have, how much time you're able to put in, if you consistently put effort into this side business, it can absolutely become your full-time business. But you're right. Nobody really talks about it. And it's not on most people's radar. But yet the results are what most people want. So I had a six-year degree, right? As a clinical psychologist, got my first job. Uh, my first job, I was making, what, 35000 a year. So it sounds cool to be a psychologist, but no, <laughs> it's yeah. not. And so a lot of times we get these degrees and we've got all the student debt and we think we're going to like live our dream and it doesn't take long to realize that, that that's just not the case. And so you saw these people who had what you thought might've been your dream, realize that that was what happened with them as well. And so you saw stories of people experiencing success 
in this industry from an early age. How do you think that impacted your belief along your journey? It was huge. It was everything. I mean, I, I witnessed people who were former pilots, attorneys, doctors, teachers, nurses. I would sit there for those two years that I was just studying and like observing. I was blown away at, at that they were able to replace their incomes and even make more. But looking back, I don't think, Denise, I saw it then or the way the world would become in the, la- in the next 25 years, but there's been a real push for women to do it all. And I'm, I guess you'd call me an old school kind of kind of gale. I love to be successful and entrepreneurial. You'll never take that out of me ever. I just love it. It's who God made me to turn to me into, but I love being a mom. I love now I'm a grandma. I'm going to be GG 2.0. My daughter's expecting again. And I love having flexibility. I realized as a young mom, I thought, oh, when my kids, I'll do this for a few years. And then when my kids are all in school, I'll, I'll get a real job. But then they got into school and then it was like, oh my gosh, they needed room moms. They needed field trips there. Somebody had to pick them up at three. Most jobs go to five. Like I realized I needed more flexibility. Then they hit middle school years and high school years. And that's when I realized, oh, now they need you more than ever. They need you around more than ever. And it never stopped, Denise. I always needed flexibility. And then I got to the point where my kids were getting older. And then by 40, because I had kids young, I was 38. My husband gets sick. And so had I not had a career in this industry, I would have never had time freedom and flexibility to be able to be a shock absorber. All the things that came into my life and that looking back, I could be there for these precious moments hard moments, beautiful moments. I didn't miss out on anything, Denise. I was there. And that to me was priceless. And it was time freedom. I truly think time freedom was even more valuable than financial freedom for a lot of career-minded people. They didn't have time freedom. Some of them had financial freedom, but they didn't have time freedom. Right. Right. You can have uh, make a ton of money being glued to your computer. Or make a ton of money being glued to your clients at the beck and call of when they're available, right? But with this type of position, you really get to set your own hours. You get to, you're your own boss. And so as hard as that is sometimes, it really does allow you to create a schedule that works for you and your family. And okay, so you had kids young. Um, You met your husband when your daughter was just a few years old. You have a few more kids with him. And then at 38, he gets sick. Tell me a little bit about what happened and how that impacted your business? Yeah, it's been a crazy journey. It'll be nine years in December. And he just started having some bizarre symptoms and, but nothing we would have ever, we weren't prepared for emotionally, physically, financially for what was yet to come. And so nine years ago uh, in December, he had a minor surgery and left him a major mess and he's never been the same. And uh, the next four years was a roller coaster. I mean, I went, I went from being married to Superman who owned his own construction business, was successful, well-respected, truly a, a wonderful, wonderful human being. And, and I truly mean that um, to somebody who couldn't even hardly get out of bed. And it was heartbreaking. And I literally took him around the country and went out, out, out of network, leveraged for four years, everything that we had saved for. We had, we had a goal in our early twenties that we'd be retired by 40. And we were on track to do that. What we weren't prepared for was um, for him to get that sick and for it to just wash away our savings. And I'm so grateful that we did what we did in our twenties and thirties, because it did get us through that. And even though we were so close to bankruptcy, 
it was actually direct sales that saved our butts. <laughs> Never, we were able to, you know, get through it. And that, that uh, five years was like living a nightmare. It was it, the only way I can explain it is it was complete torture because you saw somebody you loved and cared for so deeply. And no matter where you went, every talk about rejection in direct sales or building a business or entrepreneurship, you feel like you get a lot of rejection. Never was I prepared for rejection in the medical community. So probably the greatest rejection we hit was it took us 14 months to fight our insurance company to get him to Mayo Clinic. And we get him to Mayo Clinic having this great hope that this this is where they're going to fix him only only to receive the news. You have a 1% chance, 1% chance to get better. This is the way your life is going to be the rest of your life. And my husband, how he handled that is he left that appointment. He walked across the street to a bookstore. It was a beautiful Barnes and Noble. And he sat down at a table and started, I'm not kidding you. He started um, sketching a, a, a blueprint, a house. He had been a builder and he started to sketch a, a dream house that we were going to build on this piece of property that we owned. And I thought you were just given the worst news of your life. And his mind went to, I'm going to go build a house. And we had no money at the time. Like it I'll never forget that. And I'm like, he's gone off his rocker. And the best thing that happened at Mayo Clinic is when we went back to the next appointment, because we had a series of appointments, I pulled the doctor aside and said, can you please talk to some sense into him? He's not listening to what you're saying. And I, and I told him what my husband just did. And the only good thing I walked away from Mayo Clinic was this, that doctor said to me, don't ever take away his dream. Don't ever take away his dream. And so that's what he, he became obsessed with sketching out this house. And, uh, he did, he, he, he became so obsessed with it. Even we had no money. He had architects design it. He had other builders, um, bid it because he just never let it go. That was his hope. He was hanging on to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, um, faith that we dug our heels into. That's when we had to surrender. We didn't quit and we didn't give up. We just literally surrendered our lives to the Lord and said, you know, our whole life had been up to that point. I have had to overcome quite a bit. And I guess looking back, Denise, I was always trying to, I guess you could say prove people wrong. You know, I was the least likely to succeed in my high school graduating class. And I actually had teachers tell me that. And I was the girl at 17 cast it aside, you know, when I got pregnant, like she'll never amount to anything, um, came from a rough family background. And so it was just expected that I wasn't going to amount to much, you know, I was in foster care and that was just kind of an expectation, but somewhere deep inside my soul, I'm like, no, it's not what God has planned for me. He has something greater planned for me. And when my husband got so sick, I, I felt robbed and cheated for a time. I did. I thought, God, I worked hard for 17 years with this wonderful man. He adopted my daughter. We had two more children. What the heck? Like, what more can I do, God, you know, to prove myself? And I realized it wasn't about that. It wasn't about any of that. And it was during that time that he refined me. He had to take me into a Job state in life and like take away everything in my life, everything. So much, Denise, that we had to sell everything even that chunk of land, everything, we put it all up for sale. I humbly moved my family into the basement of some dear friends. It was a beautiful basement, but into the home of my dear friends. 
And we ended up living in a camper for almost two years to travel around the country for medical treatments for my husband. And it was, I thought being pregnant at 17 was humbling. That took it to a whole new level when you're taking your family and you're living in campgrounds that the websites don't disclose are the largest meth production campgrounds in California. And I was like, what am I doing? And the greatest lesson I learned, what kept us going and pressing on during the hardest hearts of our life was this. I learned how to find joy in all circumstances. And that is tough. That is tough. I learned, and I remember the day it started to hit me that we were in the campground that was awful. And I mean, so bad that I actually had to send our son who was living with us full-time in virtual schooling. I just fly him back to Wisconsin. We were in California while my husband was undergoing some brain surgeries. And it was so dangerous there. I flew him back to live with his sisters and his grandparents because they were in college and I couldn't have him in that environment. And I literally was felt locked up in a camper for weeks upon weeks with my husband. And I went through great depression looking back. But one day my husband and I were watching at the time live PD. Now that show's taken off, but live PD was on. I love that show. Why? Because I, it made me feel like, well, I wasn't that low. <laughs> Like my husband it always walk, can be worse. And we would just, I mean, life could always be worse. And one day we were, I don't even know what we were laughing over, but we were watching live PD and we started laughing. Somebody would, they always, they always lied and they always blamed grandma. And I was a grandma and I'm like, stop blaming grandma. And my husband laughed and I laughed. And then I laughed and then I started to like belly laugh. And then I couldn't stop laughing. And I realized I hadn't laughed in a long time. And then I remember looking over at my husband and he had, he had the big, you know, scar and stitches in his skull. And I looked over and I'm like, he's sexier to me than he's ever been. I still love him. We have no money. We're broke. He's sick, but we're still together. We still love each other. It's going to be okay. And then I felt like I heard God's voice going, yeah, it's always been okay. And you're going to be okay. And that was a defining moment in my life where I thought, you know what? I think I just found joy in all circumstances because before Denise, I was, I was going to be happy when I was successful. Then I could prove people, or I was going to be happy when I had all this money in the bank. And then, you know, I would be satisfied or I was going to be happy when, and be joyful when my husband was healed and he had that home miracle. I was going to pray and pray and do everything I could and give up everything I could, but I did that and it didn't happen. When it happened is when I surrendered. And that was the greatest lesson of my life because we're all going to have these hearts. And what allowed me to press through all of it was I wasn't dependent on happiness when I found joy in the uh, sanctification and, and shelter of the Lord. That's, that's when I found it. Yeah, that's amazing. And when you find joy in the small things and when you can trust God in those things, in the hard stuff, Chaos can be all around you. I call it the eye of the storm, you know, where chaos can be all around you, but you still feel at peace and sometimes oddly at peace. Like, shouldn't I be worked up right now? This is kind of crazy. But you know what? I trust that whatever needs to happen will happen. I trust the how will show up. I might not understand it, but I know that at the end of the day, we're all going to be okay. And I think that's a beautiful place to live. Because life is going to always happen. <laughs> we can't stop mm -hmm. that. But what we can do is we can know who we are and, and trust the process. So did your husband ever find some relief and some healing? 
He did. He did. So while we lived out in California during that time of surrendership, complete surrendership and finding joy in that eye of the storm, that's when the miracle started to take place. I mean, it was just, I mean, there were so many miracles that had taken place up to that point, but he made it through uh, eight surgeries in his head. He um, isn't, is he a hundred percent? No. Did I ever get that home run miracle? No. Um, but he's so much better than he was. And you'd look at him and you'd never know what he's been through. And that season of the life prepared me in many ways. I started to see great needs that people needed. One of the things that my husband was struggling with at that time was the side effects to the medications. They, they were putting him on so many medications and because his balance was destroyed, half of his balance um, was destroyed. Uh, it's called your vestibular system. Uh, any medication they put him on sent him into almost a full spin and vertigo. You can't live like that. So had my husband not gone through all of that, it wouldn't have opened this creative side in my brain to start looking for solutions. And I also had an opportunity for five years to sit there and listen to a lot of people and the in clinics and hospital waiting rooms. And what was interesting is it wasn't just the patient that was struggling. It was the caregiver for every patient. There's multitudes of caregivers. It could be children. It could be a spouse. It could be a friend. It could be a sibling. And it affected not just the patient, but everyone around them, the stress, the sleepless nights, the, the marathons that they were all on. And so I realized that there was a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. And then I started to realize that even people that weren't sick started to have stress and anxiety. And I realized, wow, I mean, it's everywhere. And I started to become so empathetic that I started to realize what I didn't see before in my life. And that led me to, God just started opening doors left and right, left and right. And a door opened for me to help open up a company that was the first holistic approach to a mental wellness um, brand. And that brand got my husband off all of his medications. He no longer has any of those side effects. He was able to go through his second brain surgery without the fear of being addicted to an opioid and also the fear of not being able to handle his pain because there was nothing that could help him because of their only solutions. And so that then led to a ripple effect where I thought, what if I could help people around the country? And then what if I could take this globally? And then what if I could create jobs for people? And what if it just one thing led to another? And within a couple of years, God out of a camper, God rewrote our financial life once again. But this time it was different. This time, Denise, the success was different. I remember when my husband and I hit the, you know, that we became the top earners in our company and we, you know, had reached this great level of success. Someone asked my husband the question, what does it mean to you? And my husband's very humble, nonchalant response was, well, it's just the beginning. And, and so that's what I've realized is this was different for me. And had I not gone through all that I did, God would not have refined exactly strategically how he wanted us, to, how he wanted to mold both my husband and I. And now we're able to put the oxygen mask on ourselves. Now we're able to be able to take care of ourselves and self-care ourselves so we can go serve others. And I wish I would have known that 25 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Saved myself from a whole lot of people pleasing and running around with my head cut off. But you know, life's about learning. 
I was going to say, sometimes we, we could hear it all we want, but it doesn't quite hit us there to our core until we actually experience it for ourselves. Yeah. Amen. So what I think is the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship is it's truly a personal development program with compensation attached, right? <laughs> because one of the things that we get to do is we get to have life happen and still keep ourselves in the game. Meaning, um, of course, we, we all need Netflix day or a, you know, a tear fest and, and space to grieve and to allow ourselves those that emotional time. But yet we also, you know, got to call leads and we got to put our marketing out there and we, you know, are working with people every day and we can't be breaking down every two seconds. And so how did you balance the grieving process, the the hope of getting him help, but the uncertainty of what that looks like with this new business that kind of fell into your lap? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it really stemmed back from my childhood. I had to learn a very tough lesson. I had a mom who was severely, severely mentally ill, didn't, wasn't really able to raise her five children. So we had to raise ourselves. I had a lot of anger uh, my adult life of the horrible things that she did. And I had to learn to forgive. I learned to let go, Denise. And I really learned how to do that. And, and that's not easy. And that uh, led to freedom. When you forgive and let go, you've got where I came from was not the blueprint of where I was going to go. It molded me to who I was about to become. So when I learned that, I was able to apply that. I did mourning grieve the day my husband had that first surgery. Um, a part of him did die that day on the operating table. He's not that person anymore. And I did, I mourned and grieved that because the the ability that he had to scale and work the, the, the balance that he had and be able to scale a tree or, you know, walk three, four stories high with probably unsafely with a harness. I mean, those days were gone. The ability for him to be able to dance in music and not make his head go crazy and all the symptoms he had to go through. I did. I grieved him more than that, but listen, you, we have such a short time here on this earth. And eventually we all have to ask ourselves this question. How much time are you willing to waste? not your life and precious time by not letting go. I had to let that go. I had to forgive the doctors who did damage to him or they didn't do it purposely, but it happened. And I had to let that go. And once I allowed to do that, it allowed me to step into the next chapter of our life and what God had planned. And I started to dream bigger and bolder than I ever had. I remember the day that somebody had set up a GoFundMe for my husband. And it was so humiliating to me. I used to set those up for people. And I really struggled with that. I felt like a loser. Like, how did my life get to this point? And I remember randomly, somebody put a large sum of money that I didn't even know. And that was right at that crucial time where I was learning how to have joy in my life again, even though I didn't have the answers. And that's when something triggered in my brain. And I realized I'm going to do what that person just did. And then that, what, that's what led to, I'm going to be a six-figure giver. And all of a sudden, my mind shift started to change, Denise. And I realized that if I could let go, if I could forgive, if I could let go, it would allow me to move forward. And when you move forward, you, you keep pressing on and you keep pressing on and you're not reliant on any success. You're not reliant on your, your mood isn't going to affect your day. If I had a bad day, doesn't mean I have to you know, be crabby. Again, I can still find joy. But if I need to have a day off, this was the other thing I learned too, that 
It is so important to be disciplined in self-care and take time off. I give myself permission now to say, Sarah, you need a night off. You need a day off. You need a week off and then you'll come back stronger. Before I'd always, I'd push through almost too much. I was almost the opposite. You know, it was like I was either all or I was nothing. Now I've learned to find this balance. And I think that's the key when you're in these difficult seasons of life. Allow yourself to grieve, but you gotta let go. And then I protected myself with whoever was around me. I didn't tell people, hey, you're crabby and not a dreamer or not a go-getter. I'm not gonna hang with you. I, I protected myself from people like, listen, I want people that believe in me. I want people who are gonna build me up, not tear me down. And even though I am starting a business, I left my only st- stable income living out of a camper. I mean, can you imagine to go back to your family and your friends and say, hey, I'm leaving my only stable income to go do a startup company. They thought I was nuts, you know, but I did it. And I surrounded myself with people who said, you've got one shot at this life. Go, I believe in you. And I think that's the key. And it might be one person. <laughs> and for a short time, it was, it was my husband. And then a few others trickled in. And pretty soon, all these people were starting to go, what is she doing? And then it became, look what she did. Amen. Amen. We don't want to stuff our emotions and pretend like it's not there, right? So we do want to grieve and we want to allow that to heal, but we don't want to live in a state of anxiety or stress. And it sounds like as you were traveling the country, going from doctor to doctor to doctor, trying to figure out how to help your husband, you saw people living in that, that chronic anxiety and stress state. And that is where we have these repeating thoughts of what if, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if we're living in a van down by the river? You know, this, this worry for the future or this anxiety about the past. Like, I wish this happened. I wish he never had the surgery. I wish the doctors knew what they were doing. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish this was different. And we can live with our emotions three steps behind as we're reviewing the past and thinking about what could have been different and what could have been better and what could I have done and what could he have done and all of these things. And neither of those places are, are at all healthy to live in. And yet so many people live in those spaces all of the time. And you found that the, let's see, what do we want to call it? Like the, the cut, <laughs> the scissors to separate yourself or to not be as connected to the anxiety and the stress was, was forgiveness and trust. Mm-hmm. And so that's not an easy process. And it's not always, especially when it's a deep rooted, you know, grief, it's not always like, okay, I forgive you. I'm better now. You know, there's a process of that forgiveness that allows us to shed an onion layer to maybe wake up in a couple of weeks and be like, Oh, I'm today. I haven't had those stinking, thinking thoughts in a while. Oh my gosh, I haven't even thought about those doctors in a while. You know, it's one step in front of the other. What are some specific things you did or you remembered processing through to help you with those releases? Yeah, that's another great question. I know exactly the moment when I learned true forgiveness and it was with my mother. So when she was dying, she had a brain tumor and I had not had a relationship with her at that point for about 14 years. And I got a, a random call that um, she was dying and that I and my my oldest brother were um, in charge of her medical decisions. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was so angry. And this sounds so shallow, but it's the God's honest truth. It was the week of Thanksgiving, so which is my birthday weekend, week and Thanksgiving. And I was very ticked off, like, you're going to ruin my holiday because that's how I felt about her, to be very honest. That was the play. I was that angry in life. And I was married and I had three children at the time. My life was beautiful. We were, you know, had success in life. And she was just this like 
thorn of a hidden past that I wanted no one to know about, I hid it. And now it got exposed. So for the last 28 days of her life, Denise, I wanted the apology of a lifetime. Oh, and I had it rehearsed in my head. I wanted her to tell, to admit to everything that she ever did to myself, her, my siblings, my father, everyone around her. Um, I did. And what was interesting is when she went through her surgery and they removed her brain tumor, when she woke up, uh, she had severe brain damage. And she was like that of a, she was in the mental state of like a three-year-old little girl. And the only thing that she knew were the name of her five children. And that was it. It was like her, it was like everything was erased. And I never got the apology. Instead, the Lord allowed me to witness a miracle. What he did is the Lord allowed me to see my mom as a little girl before her mental illness, for whatever reason, whether it was trauma in her life, medical, genetic makeup, DNA, I I don't know, but whatever happened to her, and I'll never know, and I'm not meant to know on the side of heaven, but he allowed me to see her before the illness took hold. And it made me realize that she was a human being and that Jesus died for her too. And it allowed me to forgive her, ultimately forgive her. And I never got that apology and I didn't need it anymore because it wasn't about that. And shortly after that, I saw the movie, The Shack. Great movie. And I realized that, and and I teach this to people now, like we are all going to have that one person or multiple people that have hurt us and shamed us and shunned us and, and, and did horrible things to us or had horrible seasons or whatever it is. And stop thinking the apology has to be your way. Forgiveness has to be your way. That's not of Jesus. It has to be Jesus's way. And when I learned that, I realized I had chains on me my whole life. I was in my early 30s when this happened. And I had chains of anger and bitterness on me, even though on the outside I looked happy and I and I was happy or so I thought, but deep down inside, it was always holding me back, always holding me back. And what it allowed, Denise, true forgiveness, it, it allowed love to flourish. And love is the greatest gift. And it speaks that specifically in the Bible. Love is the greatest gift. It allowed me to love my children and my husband on a deeper level than I ever had before. And and had I not experienced that forgiveness with my mom, it prepared me, God prepared me then for the next season, the next hearts of my life, which was my husband's illness. And so forgiveness is key. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful story. And I think even seeing her in such a vulnerable state, allows you to see that the things that she did are not personal. It just is her being, you know, doing the best that she could with the information she had at that time. And that allows you to kind of separate yourself from those actions and say, you know, I'm going to do my life differently, but I know in the heart of hearts, you didn't mean to cause all of this pain. Uh, And I think that's... Think um, what you just said. I just have to say what you just said. Think of that to anything. Anybody listening, like you are going to have that one person or that really big, hard thing in life and it's perception because ultimately we don't know all the facts. We don't know why they said or did the things and we have to exercise grace. We have to learn how to exercise grace and we have to learn that we do not become the products of our past. I mean, you look at every great example in the Bible, it was the least likely to succeed. It never registered in my brain until years later, years later. I I was like in my thirties when somebody said to me, did you know that the earthly mother of Jesus 
was a pregnant teenager. I was a pregnant teenager. Think of that. The savior of the world is born to a pregnant teenager. God used the most humble and least likely to do the greatest things. And so if he chose that to be the, the life lessons for us biblically, do you not think that he doesn't have a masterful plan and all your muck and chaos and dirt and past and skeletons in your closet? Of course he does. You know, we just, we got to just learn to let go and to be okay that you won't have all the answers. I think too many times we want a scientific or a factual answer and we're not always going to have it, Denise. That's what a miracle is. It's what we cannot understand. You know, I think it's the problem with the world right now is we want, we want to know all the answers. We'll never know all the answers on this side of heaven. It'll never be fair. It'll never be perfect. Things, really hard things are going to happen to really good people. But what we do know is that with God, with faith, we will get through them and we can thrive again. We can love again. And that's what we learn to do. Absolutely. And so now you get to work with anybody and everybody, like the whole United States, because anybody who's experiencing anxiety and stress and is in fight or flight mode in that multitasking, like not deep breathing, you know, shallow breathing, just kind of freak out space, which, which is really chronic stress. And a lot of, lot of Americans, especially live in chronic stress all of the time. And so now you're working with a company that helps to decrease anxiety and stress. So can you tell us a little bit about the supplements you currently work with and why they work? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the number one thing that I love to talk about is our happy juice. We actually have a program called happy juice. (laughs) I mean, we keep it so simple and it's the reality and what we've learned through science, um, new, um, science that has been revealed in the last five to seven years is that your gut is your second brain. And it has all this, what's called bacteria and microbiome in it. And that microbiome and gut bacteria actually wires up neurotransmitters to your brain. And when they are fired up and restored properly, it affects how you feel. It affects your anxiety. It affects your stress. And we have very specific nutrition that can help restore gut health and help people become more stress resilient. So it's a stress resiliency, which means that it builds your immune system. It drops inflammation in your body. So it's really the root of most health issues. And it helps you during the great seasons in life and the hard seasons in life to stay more even keel. So that when it's really hard, you're more likely to calmly respond than quickly to overreact. And uh, we've been able to help children and adults from every age, every background, better, be kinder, love more deeply. And the proof is in the blood work. The proof is in the doctor's appointments when people are able to responsibly reduce medications under their doctor's care because they're feeling that much better. So I've been able to get my husband off all of his medications and he is thriving. And it wasn't just for him. It was my granddaughter, my children, myself. And I realized that the gut does way more than we ever thought. It's just not for pooping. It's for everything. So our happy juice pack has been one of our our huge, huge um, components. But we've also realized that mental fitness, you know, everybody was taught physical fitness, but we weren't taught mental fitness. And so it's not only the food that you eat and clean eating, it's also getting rest. If you think of it biblically, God made the seventh day, the day of rest. Well, we know that, but listen, when you're under stress, yeah, it sounds great. Go, go get some sleep. But when you can't fall asleep and your REM pattern is all screwed up, 
you're not going to fall asleep without some some help. And so we've been able to create a, a program to help people sleep better. We've been able to create a program to help people holistically with pain. So I work with a lot of veterans. I work with a lot of people that, oh my goodness, have injuries, sport injuries, car accidents, traumas that when they they were unfortunately put on medications that now became addictions. So I work you know, with people from opioid addiction, which you'd be shocked at how many professional people that is. Like, it's not just what we think or perceive that it's, you know, the college kid that got into it. No, these are professional people that were prescribed a medication and then became addicted to it. So I work with all of the above and I realized that mental health wasn't just for someone like my mom. Denise, it was for every single one of us. We all have it and we have to take care of it because we'll never achieve physical health without it. And probably the great, one of the greatest examples I can give is look at Michael Phelps. He is the most decorated gold medal Olympic athlete that the U.S. has ever seen. And yet he struggles. He's, he's this prime picture of health. How much more healthy can he be? But he still struggles with his mental health because of the stress and the anxiety. So what I've also seen, Denise, is probably my largest category are high performers. People who are go-getters, people who want to be successful in life, people who have businesses, people who want to start businesses, people who um, have big careers, corporate careers, they are some of the most stressed and anxiety-ridden people, and they hide it because they're leaders, and they hide it. They don't know how to manage it or cope with it, and it's what stays behind closed doors, and suicide rates are going sky high in that category, in all categories. They're, it's that some of the highest we've ever seen in our country. And why are we not talking more about it? Mm. Well, as a former clinical psychologist, this is totally up my alley because <laughs> you can I imagine know it. <laughs> um, seeing, I mean, that's the thing is that life happens regardless of your income, regardless of your work ethic, life happens and our EQ is way more important than our IQ. And so to have the support mm -hmm. of just saying, all right, I, uh, I want to be the calm in the storm. Um, I want to not live in this chronic state of fight or flight mode where my anxiety is through the roof. I want to figure out how I can forgive and come to this back to this place of center and to have supplements that help you to do that is priceless. So where can people get more information about you and what you offer? Absolutely. I can send you my website and I can send you some links to our happy juice pack and do some specials for your listeners if they're interested and they can reach out to me uh, because we're here to serve people. We know people need help and we're not going to fix everything. But in the words of my husband, when he was at his worst, he, when he looked at this potential brand and company, he said, Sarah, if you can help the average person that, you know, we're not talking the person with a rare disease like him. He's like, if you can help the average person that's just struggling behind closed doors, um, feel 20% better. That could be the difference between them taking their life. And I'll never forget when he said it, it was really impactful to me. And so Denise, that's what we're doing is we're helping anyone and everyone who's ready to have tools in their toolbox to help them during not just the hard season, but every season. And the more that you feel your body and we help people create a new lifestyle change so that we prepare them for these bumps in the roads and allow them to, to um, be able to enjoy the good times 
it's okay to enjoy the good times too and allow yourself to do that. So we have so many tools now to help people and um, especially this next generation, these kids and teenagers and college age students, they, they are our future and they are more stressed than ever. And we, Denise, it's on you and I, it's our generation that is responsible to give them the tools that they so badly need. So if anybody, you know, is listening, I will also send um, some information on our kids, you know, program, um, because what have you got to lose? If you change nothing, nothing will change. That's, that's what my husband always said. He's like, I got to keep trying and keep searching. And, and I'll leave, uh, you know, I'll just say this one last thing. I'll, I'll leave this thought is on that thought of, if you change nothing, nothing will change. Keep searching for that one thing that could be the change in your life. And just because the last thing you did wasn't it, that was a win because it taught you something. It taught you maybe why it wasn't the one thing that was going to be the right thing for your life, or you learned a valuable lesson in it. But what I see too many people do, Denise, is they look at that one thing that didn't go right, and then they give up. And then they think, well, that doesn't work. And that's, that's a lie. That's the devil speaking death into you. No, you never give up. You just look for the next. And then you look for the next. And everything is a win somewhere along the line because you've learned something from it. And it's it's teaching you a valuable lesson. And that's what I've realized my whole life. And so now when something doesn't go right, I'm now more aware. And I'm like, all right, God, what are you teaching me? What's the golden nugget this time? Even though I might be a little upset and questioning him, like, I don't know what the golden nugget is in this one, but there's something there really is. So there you have it. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you guys. Check out the description box. All of Sarah's social links and website links will be down below. You can totally check it out and see what the happy juice is for yourself. Um, I've got two last questions for you. So my first question is, as an entrepreneur, I'd love to hear any books that you typically recommend to people or ones that were big aha moments for you on your journey. Mm, great question. Loved my first book, which I, you just never forget that first one that opens your spirits to entrepreneurship. And it was Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It just opened my mind to the entrepreneurship that I was witnessing sitting in the back room of direct sale companies meetings. And, um, he had the rich dad, which, and the poor dad and this poor dad was his educated dad. And I'm not saying that education is bad or wrong. I don't mean it by at all by that, but his, his poor dad was a teacher and his, his rich dad was an entrepreneur. And I just realized this concept that Denise, this is what America was built on with entrepreneurship and small businesses and creativity. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad was by far my favorite book. My second favorite, well, it's also my top, is the entire Little House in the Prairie series. Little House in the Prairie raised me. And it's what I became. I became a pioneer. I'm not even kidding. I am a Laura Ingalls Wilder fan through and through. You can ask me pretty much any question about her life and I probably know the answer. And so believe it or not, that helps me with my entrepreneurship because I just admired her pioneering spirit and an entrepreneur has to be a pioneer every single day. And then the third, my top is, and so so my my next two choices are entrepreneurial books, but they allowed that creativity to unfold, is a devotional that changed my life. And I'm actually in the works of writing my own devotional this next year. It'll be published, but it's the uh, Mark Batterson, the 40-day prayer challenge. And I read that devotional over and over and over and over again. And I realized that I didn't have a deep enough relationship with the Lord. And I realized that 
big and bold and scary and risky dreams, those are the ones that honor God the most because you got to put all your trust in him to be a six figure giver when you really didn't even have a high school diploma. Come on. That's a big, risky, bold, daring, you know, goal. And I realized in that devotional series that if I really surrendered my life to him, that means I got to, I got to start dreaming bigger dreams and not just dream them, go after them and take those risks and stay consistent with them. So those are my three top books or series, honestly, that transformed my life. I love it. I love it. All right. So my last question is, so as an entrepreneur, as a wife, as a human, right, we need to fill ourselves up consistently so we can give out to others. So what is one thing you do every day that you couldn't live without? Mm, Devotional. Every morning I wake up and do my devotional. It is non-negotiable. And if I'm just tired or I don't even read something, I will literally sometimes just lay in bed and pray. I just have time with the Lord. I want to give my first thoughts to him every day. And when I started to do that during the season of my husband's illness, it just, it's non-negotiable. I give my first thoughts to him. Part of that centering every single day. So then, you know, you can handle whatever comes your way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You just wake up on a better side of the bed, you know, I mean, because you're for him. And one of my children's friends uh, was in a horrific accident and is paralyzed, beautiful young girl paralyzed from her waist down. And, you know, sometimes when you don't even know what to pray or you're in between a devotional or a book and you're like kind of stuck, I always think her name is Peyton. I always think of Peyton. I'm thinking sometimes I just go into a state of gratitude and we're in the Thanksgiving season, right? But it doesn't matter if it's February. You know, if you're listening to this and it's April and you're going back to Denise's podcast, it doesn't matter what month it is. Just think in the morning, when you open your eyes, you can see. When you, you can move your toes. You, you can set up on the edge of the bed. You can get up and walk. That young girl can't. And we take so much for granted every single day. So even when I don't have the perfect devotional or, or, you know, I haven't read something in the Bible that day, I try to then go into a state of like, Lord, you intricately made me and made my family. And like, thank you. Today's a good day because we can all walk and we can talk. And I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but thank you for today. So I try to, I'm trying to get more and more as the older I'm getting into a state of gratitude because I realize, man, I, I was like a, a spoiled little brat to the Lord. I didn't thank him. And I have so much more to thank him for, but I didn't thank him enough. You know, do we really thank him enough for all that we have? He sure hears every day what we don't have, but does he hear what we do have? Yeah, excellent. It's true. Oftentimes our prayers turn into like gossip fests or, you know, whiny children versus yeah. thank you yeah. for. And the power of even saying thank you for the thing we don't already have is part of the magic of actually putting ourselves in a space to receive it. So thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your wisdom, not only about entrepreneurship and your success in business, but also with just successfully navigating the hard stuff in life and continuing to develop yourself so you can be all that God has for you. You know, you can be the shining light that God <laughs> um, has placed on you, but and that shining light overflows and impacts everyone around you. So you guys check out her website, get yourself some happy juice. And um, I look forward to speaking again. Have a great day. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.